Hello there, this is Mark Bauerlein with another conversation. Before we get to it, a word about one of our sponsors. Located in the foothills of Wyoming's spectacular Wind River Range, Wyoming Catholic College, an accredited four-year Great Books institution, is built on the ancient Western tradition of the liberal arts and the freedom of the American West. The college offers its students an immersion in the primary sources of the classical tradition, the grandeur of the mountain wilderness, and the spiritual heritage of the Catholic Church. Students experience the illumination of imagination and intellect through the great books and traditional disciplines, literature and philosophy, mathematics and theology, science and Latin, and an outdoor program second to none. The college celebrated an in-person graduation with its seniors last year and welcomed its largest freshman class ever this year. Learn more about the college's unique space in the world of American higher education at wyomingcatholic.edu. Yoram Hazoni joins us today. He is chairman of the Edmund Burke Foundation and president of the Herzl Institute. He is also the unofficial leader of the national conservative movement. Uh, I think I can say that. His previous book is The Virtue of Nationalism, and a new book has come out, I think an important study called Conservatism, A Rediscovery. That's our topic today. Welcome, Dr. Hazoni. Hello, Mark. Thanks for having me on. First, a quick clarification. You know, we usually jump right into right into the books. I want to keep the focus on books in in our society today. But first, a quick clarification. Just tell us for those of you who don't, those of us who don't know, what is the National Conservatism Movement? Sure. Well, National Conservatism is as as you can hear. I mean, it's a, it's a slightly redundant term because conservatism in in uh, the British and the American tradition has been. Uh, pretty pretty darn centered on the uh, on the nation for many centuries. The the reason that the the term national conservative uh, came into use over the last five or six years is simply because uh, what what came to be known as conservatism after after the fall of the Berlin Wall is uh, is indistinguishable from I I think identical to liberal internationalism. Uh, to a, a view that says that uh, liberalism is, is the necessary and sufficient political order for the entire globe. It should be governed by, you know, by, by, by international institutions. Everybody in the world is supposed to be sufficiently rational to be able to figure out that uh, liberal democracy is what they need for their country. And if they don't figure it out, then, then you know, Europeans and Americans will help them by force. And mm-hmm. that entire package of supposedly conservative. I mean, I, I don't really think it's conservative at all. I think it's actually a, a universal revolutionary movement. But in order to distinguish between liberal internationalism and, and neoconservatism and all of these uh, uh, ideas of the last generation, uh, we, we added the, the term national. National conservatives are those who seek to put the nation, its interests, uh, its traditions, its uh, um, it, 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 it's its co- cohesion and its propagation through time back in the center of conservative discussion. When I say the center, obviously uh, the, the nation doesn't come instead of uh, uh, the family or religion, uh, quite the opposite. We think that, that, uh, uh, that, that the nation is uh, the, the best and, and maybe the only real, really possible way to, uh, to rive, revive these other Central conservative institutions. You actually call it a quote remarkable fact that this 
confusion uh, ever happened. And sort of in one way you put it is the confusion of mixing Anglo-American conservatism uh, going back and Enlightenment liberalism. And I'm, I'm, you know, the Enlightened liberalism immediate charge against that national word in there that it risks bringing in those darker elements of nationalism that existed in in the 20th century. How uh, how does one how does one respond to that that panic or that that concern or that allegation even? You look, I I think it's important very important to emphasize that human beings are crummy and pretty much any kind of ideology that you're going to come up with um, will, uh, if it's taken uh, too rigidly and allowed to become a utopia, uh, will uh, will produce all sorts of uh, uh, negative and nasty things. So there's no claim uh, on, on, on my part or my colleagues that nationalism is some kind of panacea. It's going to solve, you know, all the problems in the world. We just think that it's better than the alternative, which is a universal imperialism or, uh, you know, an, an anarchic, anarchic uh, tribal rule of the kind that you see in uh, in Afghanistan, let's say. Um, so, when we speak of nationalism, we're talking about a a, um, a principled standpoint that sees the world gov- as Governed best when many nations are, are are given their independence, are allowed their freedom to chart their own course, um, a, according to their own traditions. Uh, it, it's it basically is an argument from national freedom that says that uh, that the um, the unelected uh, bureaucrats of uh, of uh, Davos or of the uh, university. Uh, foreign policy, university international relations departments, um, that uh, and, and and international lawyers, the the kind of world government governance they call it, but basically the kind of world government that they're looking for, isn't good for anybody. The the, the world in which nations compete, and uh, are allowed to innovate and uh, set their own policies on the basis of their own interests is uh, is simply a a better world in general than uh, than the one where some some bureaucracy is constructed and is going to make the decisions for the whole planet. Right. You you as you just did a moment ago, you define conservatism straight off as the effort to maintain and repair quote national and religious traditions, and and you've got the plural in there, and that makes conservatism really a a, a variable thing. From place to place and time to time, yes. I mean, universalism is is contrary to conservatism, correct? Yeah. Yes. In ge- in general, that's correct. I mean, mo- most most traditional conservatives uh, do believe that there are uh, that there is a moral minimum that you know right. n- nations ought to be able to. Uh, f- for, for example, lift themselves at least up to the level of uh, uh, of, of, of keeping uh, the Ten Commandments. Let's say uh, th- that's also part of our tradition. But it, but in, in more broadly, what you're saying is exactly right. That conservatism is not um, a uh, a universal ideology that dictates uh, the answers to you know all moral and political questions uh, in, for for all times and places. In in that sense. 
conservatism is different from liberalism. It's different from Marxism. Both liberalism and Marxism, if you get into them, if you you start to believe that you know the answers to what should happen at every point in human history and every place on the planet. And conservatism in the Anglo-American tradition has uh, has a strong element of uh, of uh, of skepticism, of uh, humility, let's say, uh, a, a, a an understanding that even though we think that our ways are best, uh, we can't be absolutely sure about that. And, uh, and and there's often evidence that it's not true. And we, we need to allow other peoples the same kind of national freedom that we allow ourselves uh, to, uh, to to experiment with, uh, uh, w- w- with what's good and right and true and to try to figure out what's the best according to their own lights. By the way, this, this was the founding fo- foreign policy of the United States. If you uh, read George Washington's Thanksgiving address, you see exactly this kind of uh, uh, willingness to, uh, to, to wish all governments and regimes uh, in the world well, regardless of the way that they are, uh, are, are, are constituted. Uh, I, obviously, that doesn't turn Washington into a moral relativist, but in terms of policy, he thinks that other nations should not not have to worry about the United States uh, fomenting revolution in their countries. You, you, you know, you, you're, what you're saying, how you're describing the, the impulse right, to control, to, to believe you know, you know better, you know best for countries on the other side of the world and, and, and peoples with much different traditions than, than you come out of. It's almost as if, well, when I hear these people talk, I, I almost start looking at them. I, I don't know if this. I don't know if you 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 agree to this. Almost looking at them as a, as a certain personality type. The <laughs> I, I mean the the I don't know if you'd call it arrogance or or blindness. I mean, you you refer to actually something called paradigm blindness in yeah. in, in the book that that'll ask you to talk about. But what is the what is the mentality behind the, these people who often seem so modest in, 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 in their person. I mean, Francis Fukuyama seems like a very, I've, I've been at, at, at something with him before, a very sort of modest, soft-spoken fellow, but my God, the end of history, it's all over. We know what, what the future of, of the world and uh, governance is. Where does the, the imperiousness, you, 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 you use that word, where does the imperiousness come from? Well, you, you, you may be right that you know certain kinds of personalities are attracted to it. I that's not that's not my you know no 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 you, you don't my know. expertise, so I'm not going to speculate on it. But in 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 terms of what what it looks like and it feels like when you're dealing with it, um, there there are many people. It turns out many uh, many intellectuals and scholars and and uh, foreign policy establishment people and uh, um, academics, journalists, for whom um, it is uh, frightening to think that, that, there, that there may still be something left open in the question of, you know, what, what exactly is the best regime that, you know, that we still need to find out. They, they want, you know, in, in a way that, you know, strikes me as, as sometimes as as, as uh, almost religious 
almost a kind of religious fanaticism, they want to be able to say that the first principles are, are, are known and unchallengeable and unassailable. And um, that, look, it, it makes it very, very hard for them to, to compromise. I mean, if we take a look at the, the current war in Ukraine, I don't have any you know, a, a doubt that the, uh, that, uh, the Russian government is, a, um, um, it, it, it is not the kind of place that I'd want to live. And uh, probably it's true for a lot of people. I, I think that the Russian invasion of U- Ukraine uh, was wrong. I think it's morally wrong and a mistake. But the the American response has been, uh, to my mind, absolutely out of control. I mean, completely disproportionate. The United States does have a a a, a major foreign policy threat it has to deal with. That's China, and instead of focusing on it. And uh, allowing the Europeans to deal with uh, with Russia, which is essentially a, a European threat, uh, the Americans have have thrown their you know their full the full weight of of uh, of uh, Washington's capacity for groupthink and herd mentality and hysteria into um, trying to bludgeon the Russians uh, into into doing whatever America wants at all cost, and the the, the main cost here is. Is only to America. I mean, the main the, the main cost is that the United States perpetuates um, a a uh, a foreign policy in which it does not recognize a- actual threats. It's blind to real threats that it actually has to deal with and is not preparing for them. And at the same time, infantilizes the Europeans by sort of pushing them aside and having all the decisions made in Washington. In fact, the, the overwhelming majority of the war effort, effort is being paid for by Americans, not by Europeans. This, this, is, this is just one example of this kind of blindness that you get when you are committed to, uh, you know, a, a, a uh, to, a dogmatic enlightenment liberal view that says anywhere in the world where things appear to be going in a direction that 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 I don't want that my view of uh, 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 of what's right and good is is uh, is not being upheld that's a place where I need to apply maximum force immediately uh, how, uh, however long it takes. Right. You, you for as long as it, Biden used the term, for as long as it takes. They're all talking like that. It's, it, it's Republicans, too. It's not just Democrats. Right. The, Washington is is overcome by this, this maximalist view, which, you know, a, a conservative looks at this and says, what, are there any limits? You know, what are there any limits to what you're willing to do financially? Are there any limits to what you're, you're willing to to risk like nuclear war, and and are there any limits? Is there any point at which you say, "But wait, we're completely diverting ourselves from the actual foreign policy threat, which is China." I mean, the Chinese might as well be you know be paying Washington to do this to divert its attention away from the actual threat. So huh. to to go back to your question, I think I, I think in many fields you 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 can see that that this kind of it, this kind of universalist liberal rationalism, enlightenment liberal rationalism. It is a form of dogmatism which does not allow the people who are uh, uh, who are seized by it uh, to compromise. It doesn't allow them to compromise with reality. You know, any kind of compromise becomes like kind of a, 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 a dirty word. How, how can you speak about compromising when, when ultimate good and evil are on the table? 
A few weeks ago, First Things launched the 2022 year-end campaign, which aims to raise $800,000 from 1,200 readers and listeners like you. We're using this campaign to go public against the dominant 21st century media landscape. Let's just call it junk food journalism. Attention-grabbing titles, sensationalistic claims, Manichaean moral dichotomies, you know what we're talking about. Such articles might taste good for a moment. They might appeal to our, our lesser natures, but ultimately they leave us profoundly unsatisfied. Resist junk food journalism and put your hand to the plow by contributing to the First Things 2022 year-end campaign today. Visit www.firstthings.com backslash donate to make your gift. Thank you. Well, one of the things that you do in, in the book in order to break through that mentality is to try to restore a, a heritage of Anglo-American conservatism. And you begin, uh, and part of that is uh, remembering certain figures who, who've been obscured by time. One of them is Sir John Fortescue. Who was he and what did he say? Well, the, the, I, I began the book, I began this book on conservatism with an, a kind of an intro, introductory chapter to English con, conservatism. Um, th 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 this is something that uh, not only in the United States, but even in Britain and, and, and other English speaking countries, um, th there's this uh, lazy habit of talking about conservatism as though it was born uh, with um uh, Edmund Burke, or the generation of Edmund Burke, uh, uh, Washington and Hamilton, and and, and such thinkers, John uh, John Jay, uh, John Adams, and uh, this is, I mean, it's ahistorical in the extreme. I mean, Burke is is uh, defending a tradition. When Burke is writing uh, in the 1790s, he is defending a tradition that he himself believes is many centuries old, and he explicitly refers to var various earlier heroes of the, the, uh, the Anglo-conservative tradition. And the, the, the weirdness that you get when your historical vision is clipped to uh, Burke was the founder of conservatism is, is, is that conservatism then becomes a kind of a, uh, a, a, a reaction or a, um, a, a, uh, an adjustment within liberalism. The assumption is that John Locke simply is the English tradition, and that Burke merely comes to correct him. Now, if you if you look if you go a little bit earlier, I, I begin with Fortescue in the 1400s because it, you know because this is 300 years earlier, and there's a wonderful uh, new Cambridge edition of John Fortescue's in praise of the laws of England. It's it's a short book. It's been uh, the the spelling has been cleaned up so that it's it's easy to read, and anyone can just pick up this book and see that the that what we call the conservative tradition in the 1400s it you know it, it's it's already completely re recognizable. It's it, it's crystalline, and, and Fortescue, who was the the uh, the chief justice. Uh, in England, actually wrote the, wrote the the book in exile during the Wars of the Roses, and when when you see the way that he he moves from uh, from uh, the biblical uh, the biblical and Old Testament basis of uh, of the common law tradition of political thought, and he moves smoothly from that into um, the you know the separation of powers and the jury trial. And the, the the sanctity of property as the key to the freedom 
of uh, of, of of the British. He says that the that that uh, that that England is the 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 freest freest nation in Europe because of its concern for the sanctity of property and the 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 the, the limitations on the king who can't um, can't enter the home of the you know the, the his lowliest subject without it without the without the 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 permission of the homeowner you know much less take something. Uh, the 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 parliament's role in taxation and in in uh, in uh, uh, passing laws. I mean, you, you just go on and on. It, it's the 1470s, and we're reading a crystal clear book describing the conservative tradition, which is supposed to have already been going for centuries at the time, and people. And people think, oh, no, all of these things were invented by pure reason you know, <laughs> during the Enlightenment in the 1700s. I mean, all you have to do is read this book in order to see that the entire claim is, is, is absurd. It's nonsensical. And America's founding fathers knew this. They, and and, and uh, Fortescue and another important figure in your history, John Selden, a few centuries later under the Stuart kings who, who resisted the Stuart authoritarianism at, at that time. Uh, one of the things you point out is that they didn't speak of these freedoms without, without attaching them to England, right? These were English traditions, English derived. They were here. They had, they had a place uh, that they, they had a locality, correct? Yes. Well, look, again, all of them assumed uh, uh, all of these uh, common lawyers assume that there is such a thing as a uh, as a universal natural law. Uh, often it was it was associated with the Decalogue and a few other things from the the Old Testament. They they did assume this. On the other hand, their epistemology is 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 far more humble than um, than the you know sort of the the proto liberals like uh, like Grotius, uh, Hobbes. Who 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 are, are are were already circulating you know in 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 Selden's day, and Selden looks at all of this and he says, does anybody question that you know that that living in England is simply better than living under the arbitrary rule of the French or or the Holy Roman emperors who claim that the whim the whim of the law is the whim whim of the king is law, and and so he he certainly thinks that. Uh, that uh, that the English laws are 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 better, but on the other hand, he like Fortescue, he he has and Hooker as well. He he has this um, uh, willingness to understand to admit that different countries may need different uh, different kinds of laws depending on you know, the the character of their people and their their uh, the the conditions in the land. Um, this is the kind of of a practical, pragmatic conservatism, which uh, resists the uh, the rationalist universalizing tendencies, you know, both of um, uh, both of uh, some of the popes on the one hand, and also of some of the Presbyterians on the other, and says politics needs to be about doing what is practical. For, for for sustaining and 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 strengthening a given country, so you see this it, uh, in uh, people. Do, people th- often think that federalism was invented, you know, by the Americans. 
and but, but but think about this that the that that in uh that in in Britain uh by by the time that you get to uh to the Stuarts at the beginning of the 1600s uh, uh James the 1st is Scottish and he wants to incorporate Scotland into England and he's willing to just say <laughs> look look let's um, let's just extend the English common law into Scotland. He's willing to 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 let the English take over Scotland, so that the, it'll be a united uh, a, 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 a a unity in terms of the laws. And the English Parliament absolutely refuses to engage in this game. They think that the English laws are for the English, and that the Scots they have their 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 own laws, and that if you try to impose English laws in Scotland, you, you you're going to cause immense damage to both countries. And so th- this is something, you know, this kind of conservatism, you know, I, I, I wish we could see it today. I wish we could see um, a p- political leadership uh, in, in the Republican or the Democratic Party that's capable of understanding that the, that the, whatever the laws are in the United States or in, 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 in Britain right now, that, that doesn't necessarily mean that they need to be imposed on the entire planet. Yeah, I think James the first was actually James the sixth of Scotland, uh, a, a long, long yeah. tradition there. But you, you know, one of the great values of your book after after you do much of this intellectual history to try to rediscover uh, that that strain of or the, that that core of conservatism is the way you lay out liberal political theory really gives us an impoverished vision of actual lives that people lead. And I'll, I'll just mention the way you talk about the language of literal, liberal political theory, which is in terms of individual, equality, freedom, government, and consent. And what they're missing is what is so important to people's lives. I think one of the core terms that you say is loyalty. And different loyalties, loyalty to family, you know, loyalty to, to heritage. Why, why do liberals miss, ignore, overlook, expel what is deep commitment on the part of the actual human beings who are, who are doing politics? Well, part of the be- beauty of liberalism is its simplicity. I, I mean, it... it it basically comes down to a single principle, uh, which is uh, the the rights and liberties of of the the individual, and you know that 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 that's an attractive um, way of viewing politics. But first of all, it you know it has it has some truth in it. It's I mean that the, the, there is much that that is or can be good about. Uh, Ensuring the liberties of individuals. Let me let me but, let, let me interrupt you for for one second, Yoram, because you you list five traits of American conservatism, and you you include individual freedom in yeah. in that list. It's fifth, though. Uh, yeah. that there are a few that, that go above it. So, uh, pardon me. Go ahead. Yeah. No. Well, right. The 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 Anglo American uh, conservative tradition, which I'm describing in this book, I, I it you know I, I I think you can roughly say. Um, that it, it's based on the kind of uh, historical empiricism that we've been been discussing, um, uh, which is to say that it's not a, a, a universal rationalist system. It's based on historical learning. Um, s- second, it's based on 
on uh, nationalism, the centrality and the independence of uh, of uh, of the national state or the nation state, and th- third, the uh, uh, religion, uh, in this case Christianity, as uh, the 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 framework for the lives of uh, of uh, of of the nation in in terms of uh, morals, but also to a certain extent in terms of politics, and after that the. Uh, the, the separation of uh, of powers so that they balance one another and uh, and and individual liberties which you know are are, are already in the I mean the, the, they they exist in the English tradition going back a thousand years but certainly by the time you read Fortescue you're you're, you're reading something that's very familiar in terms of rights and liberties so uh, yes I, I I see those five things as being kind of a a, a quick summary of Anglo-American conservatism, and um, the what happens is uh, in, in the United States is that uh, that uh, Washington and his party, the Federalist Party, uh, continue up to uphold all five of these planks. You know, whereas the Jeffersonians, Tom Paine, are uh, are are pretty skeptical about quite a bit of that, um, but but. Anglo-American conservatism con- continues to be a major force both in the United States and Britain up until uh, the World Wars, up until uh, World War II. Uh, after World War II, we see clearly for the first time um, the the jettisoning of three of those five planks. Historical empiricism is jettisoned because uh, 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 liberal enlightenment is taken to be, uh, you know, the universal good that needs to be applied everywhere. Um, the uh, public religion is, is jettisoned uh, by the United States Supreme Court in 1947 when it suddenly discovers that separation of church and state is at the heart of the American con- Constitution and starts uh, uh, operations to remove God, Bible, and prayer from, from all schools in the United States and from there to public life. And also nationalism, the the uh, w- which lasts, lasts a little bit longer, um, but you know, by by the time that you certainly by the time that Reagan and Thatcher are gone, even the nationalist plank, the idea that the independence of America, the independence of Britain, are keys to maintaining their health and their strength and and their democracy, is also thrown aside. And all of a sudden, you uh, you know, after 1990, when Thatcher is gone, you you just find this slide with all major political parties across America and Europe supporting. Uh, su- supporting uh, eliminating all the borders, and uh, and because liberalism doesn't doesn't explain why you need borders, liberalism can't can't explain it. Because if if everybody is just free, and that's the only principle is individual freedom. So how how, how come the people who are individually free and created equal on the other side of the border? Why can't they cross the border? I mean, there, there is no answer to that from within a liberal frame. And so so as soon as America and Europe, after the two world wars, uh, in a fit of traumatized despair, turned to saying, "Just we ha- we really only have one principle, which is the the, the equal freedoms of the individual." Um, things things start moving, going very badly after that. I, I don't I don't mean that some of it didn't didn't make sense. I I, I surely. Um, would have wanted to see the end of persecution of blacks in the American South, for example, 
but the the complete overthrow of the traditional conservative constitution to create a um, a, a kind of a, a new liberal, liberal democratic constitution, constitution, which is built on a single principle, really on the idolatry of a single principle, um, that that turns out to have been a terrible mistake. It's two generations after the Bible was was uh, and God were kicked out of America's schools, and people can't tell the difference between a man and a woman. Yeah, there is much, much more in in the book. There is discussion of how Christian democracy turned into liberal democracy. Interesting, fact, liberal democracy is actually a fairly recent term in in discussion. Uh, there is discussion of Cold War conservatism and what happened. Uh, with that, the, the recoil that liberals have to the term nation, nationalism. You end with a, a personal tale, very personal tale, a moving one, I think, that, that goes back to Princeton and, and your wife, uh, uh, father, uh, an encounter with Irving Crystal, and many other things. But uh, I, I recommend the reading. It is the book's called Conservatism, A Rediscovery. Dr. Hazoni, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Mark. My pleasure. And thank you for listening to our conversation, which has been supported by Wyoming Catholic College, which combines great books, the Catholic tradition, and the great outdoors of the American West into an extraordinary education. Go to wyomingcatholic.edu or contact the admissions office at 877-332-2930.